0: Hello and welcome to Connect Point's podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Great thing it is, and we do have... Quite a number of people that are unable to be here today, but so many of them have told me that they are... They are watching online today, so we welcome them, all of our church family and any guests that are watching us online today, amen. If you are a member of this church and you're watching online, go ahead and take this moment to comment your name and who's in your house and who's watching with you so we know who you are, where you are, amen, and that you're with us today, amen. But I'm glad I'm able to be here, thank God, amen. We know that many are dealing with sickness and uh, some are staying way out of cause. And We respect all of that, but we look forward to seeing them back in the house of the Lord as quick as possible, healed and recovered and doing good. Amen. God is so, so very, very, very good to us. Amen. Are you, are you thankful that the person next to you is here today? Are you glad you're not sitting all by yourself? Amen. Are you glad you live in a place where we can do this freely and openly and loudly? boisterously, with confidence and boldness. Oh, I'm thankful to be in a place where I can lift up the name of Jesus with all my heart. Amen. Mind, soul, and strength. And we pray for our fellow believers all across the world, some of them who do not and are unable to participate in the freedoms of worship that we have. Amen. Today. And so they find themselves in basements and back alleys and out in the middle of fields somewhere, amen, to worship their Lord Jesus Christ, amen. What a great thing it is to know Jesus, amen. What a great thing it is to know Jesus. If you don't mind standing together with your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings 17, we're gonna look at 1 Kings 17 with just one verse and 1 Kings 18 with just one verse. I mean two verses, 18.1 and then 18.41 and then we're gonna look at the book of Habakkuk chapter two. So if you wanna find 1 Kings and then find Habakkuk. Amen. Thankful for the word of the Lord. First Kings, the 17th chapter, I'll remind you that it is always in order to bring your Bible to the house of God. I'll remind you that if your Bible is on your phone, that's fine. Only thing I would say to you is uh, you shouldn't have to hold your phone the entire service. <laughs> the beauty of the Bible is, is that if you get tempted to wander through it, you're still getting the word. The issue with the phone is, is if you get tempted to wander through it, you might be playing some crush the candy game or something, whatever. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey it's always in order, if you don't have a Bible, to share off of the person next to you, and uh, you can always look at the screen. First Kings 17 and 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, who is the king, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He declares by the powerment of the Almighty God that the rain is going to cease. Now turn with me to 1 Kings 18. And we're just going to read the first verse there again. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Amen. Now, if you'll go with me to the book of Habakkuk, the second chapter. Habakkuk 2nd chapter, verses 2 and 3. I'm going to read from the King James Version. They may have a different version of this on the screen. Habakkuk chapter 2, 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, It shall speak. The vision will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Amen. I want to talk to us today on a personal level about our God-given vision, our God-given vision. I believe that it is completely imperative to live the life that you hunger to live, that you have received a God-given vision for your life and that you know what that vision is and that you know it is from God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Smile at somebody. Tell them you love them. You may be seated. God bless you. It was a hot and humid day in southern Minnesota, August the 21st, 1883. Before the day would complete, three separate tornadoes would unleash devastation upon much of southern Minnesota. One was estimated at an F5 tornado that destroyed some 40 farms, It entered into the city of Rochester with its 5,100 residents at the time, around 7 o'clock. It traveled for some 25 miles on the ground. At that time, there were no public address systems or tornado warning sirens. There was only the eerie stillness prior to the horrific roaring of the approaching destruction. When citizens finally stepped out from their basement shelters, they found a devastated city in the fading light of sunset. 37 were dead, 200 more were injured. 137 homes had been completely destroyed and some 200 more homes had taken significant damage. The city of Rochester at that time with its 5,000 people was a decent sized city. And yet, there was no hospital at all that existed. And there was only but one doctor who lived in Rochester. His name was Dr. W.W. W. Mayo. Dr. William Worrell Mayo was indeed a qualified for the day surgeon and physician. But he said that he did maybe five surgeries a year. None of them usually have any major significance from time to time, perhaps. He would have to do something life-threatening to help somebody with something life-threatening, but only maybe four or five times a year. The elder male that night in Rochester, as the storm passed, set up an oak table in Rochester's town hall. And all night long, he would work on the patients that were being rushed and carried in to him. Sister Mary Alfred Mose and other nuns assisted him. Having no medical training at all, they were just there to help, to care for as much as they possibly could. Some died on the table that night. Some of them were Dr. Mayo's friends, connections in the community but it was estimated that he performed over 50 significant surgeries throughout that single night. In fact, the next day when surgeons began to arrive from other cities to try to assist him with all of the patients, they were shocked and dismayed to see how much had already been accomplished by one man, by Dr. Mayo, alone. A few weeks passed after that night, And Sister Mary Alfred Mose sent for Dr. Mayo to come and visit her. She told him she had a vision from God, and she needed to tell him about it. When he arrived at her house, she said, I have had a vision from the Lord that I need to tell you about. She said, I saw a great hospital rising out of the cornfields of Rochester, And patients were coming from all around the world and of every nation. And the name Mayo was respected the world over for surgical achievement. Dr. Mayo responded, I am nearly 60 years old. How could I ever achieve such fame? How could we build such a hospital? And if we did, how would the world even know that we did it? And Sister Mary simply responded this, you will have sons, they will be great, and the world will find the pathway to your door. It was Dr. Mayo himself who gave the first 20-acre parcel of land that they built the first building, the first hospital on. That 20-acre parcel of land had been an apple orchard but it had been completely decimated by the tornado. And Dr. Mayo instead said, let's build the first building there. Today, over one million people a year go to Mayo for care. And they come from all over the world. And they have campuses in Arizona and Florida and London and the Mayo health system spreads far and wide. It employs over 4,500 physicians and scientists, along with 58,000 administrative and allied health staff. It is home to the top 15 ranked Mayo Clinic Alex School of Medicine, in addition to many of the highest regarded residency education programs in the United States. It spends over $650 million a year on research and has more than 3,000 full-time research personnel constantly working to try to find ways to better care for humanity. God gave Sister Mary a vision. God did. God gave her a vision of something that was significant and great, important, impactful, and purposeful. And Dr. Mayo bought into the vision and donated the first land, and he went to work. And today, I've just simply come to tell this group of Jesus worshipers that have gathered together today at Connect Point that you and I need a God-given vision for our lives. We need to hear from the Lord about what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. We need to see something that comes from the throne of heaven about what my life is supposed to look like, my marriage is supposed to look like, my family is supposed to look like. I need to hear from Jesus uh, that shows me what my future has in store for me. He may not give me all the details. uh, In fact he never has. uh, But I know uh, that I learned a long time ago there is a God who cares for you and I. uh, Who has a plan for you and I. uh, And a purpose for you and I. uh, And he wants to show you what your God-given vision is. You need something that you can see in the darkest night. You need something that you can hear in the face of the loudest negativity. You need something that will survive even the fiercest resistance. It's not about how much money we can make. It's not about how much power we can wield. It is about becoming who God says you can become. Through him. It's about becoming who God says you can become through him. Our text today speaks of King Ahab and the prophet Elijah. Ahab is a wicked yet very powerful king over Israel. Elijah is a prophet of the almighty God. Elijah is empowered by God to declare a drought upon the land. And it immediately goes into effect. And three years later... In the third year of this devastating drought, God sends Elijah back to King Ahab. In 1 Kings 18, we read, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. If we continue to read in verses 17 through 21, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people All the people of Israel that were gathered there at Mount Carmel with the prophets of their idol Baal and Elijah, a lone man standing there, a prophet of God. All of the people come to see what's going on. All of them come because that was the thing to do that day. Because they had been summoned and because it was what everyone else was doing. So they all gathered together there at Mount Carmel. But Elijah came unto all the people. And I don't think they were expecting him to interact with them. I think that they showed up as spectators. I think they showed up just to see and to hear what was going to happen and to talk about it and it to be the highlight of their day. But when they all gathered together, Elijah turns from Ahab and he turns away from the prophets of Baal. And he looks at the people and he says, How long halt ye between two opinions? Whether or not they understood the first question out of his mouth is irrelevant because he follows up with this. If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. They didn't say anything. He had thrown out a challenging question to them had brought them abruptly to a point of decision, but they had nothing to say. The people had nothing to say, I declare to you this day, that they had nothing to say because they had no vision. They had no personal goal. They had no dream. They had no pursuit that had come from God. They had no God-given vision in their life. They had disconnected themselves from God. They were trying to walk some sort of a line between uh, worshiping God and worshiping Baal because they didn't want to be uh, in trouble and they didn't want to be looked down upon by anyone or get themselves uh, in a bad place. And so they lived to appease whoever was in power and they simply survived their time on earth uh, by following after the crowd uh, and being told to make such a bold decision of faith was a foreign thing to them. They were much more comfortable seeing who was going to come out on top. Being brought to that place of decision was very hard for them and and very uh, uh, difficult for them because uh, they were living their life with no vision. Uh, They didn't see anything in their future. It was just day to day. Uh, Who's in power today? Uh, Who's in control today? Uh, What's going to be asked of us today Uh, or demanded of us today? Uh, Who do I have to appease? Uh, Who do I have to bow down to today? Uh, And because they had lost uh, any connection to their God. They didn't have any vision about who they were as a people. They didn't have any vision as who they were as individual persons. They were just walking through life blindly, one step after the other, not worrying at all or thinking at all about what the future might hold, and never believing themselves to be anything more than they thought that they could be. But I say to you today, they were still Israel. They were still the apathetic of his eye. They were still the people that were called of God, chosen by God. But they had lost their connection to their God. And when they lost their connection to their God, they lost their vision. And then they lost their vision. What were they living for? The story in its entirety is very powerful. And if If you've never read the whole thing, I would encourage you to do so and read it all in your Bible. The condensed version is simply this. One man of God named Elijah faces off against 450 prophets of their idol God named Baal. Each of them builds an altar and lay a sacrifice upon it, and each of them are to ask their God to send the fire that was needed for the altar. First Kings 18 and 24, and call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. This is Elijah. And the, and, God, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. It is well spoken. And after the prophets of Baal spent much time trying to make it happen, and you can read all about it. After they spent much time trying to make it happen, and it did not happen, Elijah then does something wild, and he calls for large amounts of precious water, and he dumps that precious water all over the wood of his altar and all over the sacrifice. In 1 Kings 18, 35-39, and the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast two turned their heart back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. I'm glad today that I know who my God is. I'm glad today that I didn't show up needing somebody to point me uh, towards my God Uh, but I've come to declare under the anointing of the Holy Ghost today uh, if you perhaps are sitting here uh, and you don't have a God given vision and you're not really even sure uh, about how to connect with your God, uh, there is a God uh, who has fire hallelujah, there is a God of fire, a God of power a God of might, uh, a God of wisdom who wants to fall into your spirit today he wants to fall down into somebody his life today. And he wants to open your eyes and show you. He wants to give you a vision for your life. He wants to show you the possibilities of who you could be and who he wants you to be. Oh, hallelujah. God told Elijah, I will send rain upon the earth. But at that moment of great victory, after they have saw the fire fall and Baal is destroyed and the prophets are destroyed, after that great victory, there is still a simple truth that they are all living with. They're all still in a very deadly drought. Even though fire has just fallen from heaven and it has made a bold declaration that there is a God and it is the God of Elijah, they are still feeling the dust kicked up in their faces with every step that they take. They are still looking at brown. They are still looking at desolation. No growth, no rain, no water. They're still in the drought. God told Elijah, I will send rain upon the earth, but it hadn't happened yet. And so there they were, living in that drought still, to tell somebody today that the vision that God gives you will not look like what you already have, and that the vision that God has for your life and family will not be reachable in its entirety today. Let me say it like this. If we can do it ourselves, it's not a God-given vision. If I can do it with my own power and my own ability, if I can do it in my own wisdom, my vision is too small. If a few days and some subtle changes are going to achieve it, my vision is too small. I told you recently that if you are fasting and not hungry, you're doing it wrong. Today I say to you, if you have a vision that doesn't look impossible, you're doing it wrong. Oh, hallelujah. If you have a vision that doesn't look impossible to you, you're doing it wrong. First Kings 18 and 41, and Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain." I want to tell somebody today what that means, because it is very obvious that Elijah is the only one who hears it. It's very obvious that this was not the sound of a natural storm coming upon the horizon. This was not the sound of rain falling in the distance, making its way quickly their direction. No, everybody else was just hearing the wind and the dry dust as it It crashed against the things around them. Everyone else was still living with just the drought. That's all they could see or hear. But Elijah says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear something is coming. I know you can't hear it because you don't have the vision, Elijah says. But I have a vision, and my vision is speaking to me. I have a vision, and my vision is talking to me. You can't hear it because you don't have the vision. But Elijah says, I, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But Elijah, I can't see anything and I don't hear anything. I know you don't. But if you would get a hold of a vision from God, if you would get something deep down in your soul that comes from God Almighty, you could stand up in the midst of a drought and say, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I want you to catch the spirit of Elijah. Elijah doesn't say, I think maybe we might get a sprinkle today. He doesn't say, I think there might be some dew on the grass. Come tomorrow morning, Elijah says, my vision is speaking to me, and my vision is saying, an abundance, an abundance, an outpouring is coming, an abundance of rain. Rain, like we've never seen before, like we've never experienced before. There's going to be something powerful about to break loose upon us. Oh, hallelujah. I wish I could take five seconds uh, and get a few people to agree with me uh, that you hear the sound of an abundance of rain uh, coming upon this church uh, and coming upon this region. uh, That there's going to be souls uh, that are going to be coming to God. uh, That there's going to be people that are going to be crying out to Jesus uh, and giving their life and their home uh, and their family to the Lord. I hear the sound. I'm not talking about one uh, or two. uh, I'll celebrate with the angels. uh, over every single one that repents but I hear a vision my vision is speaking to me that there is greater somebody shout abundance I hear the sound of abundance hallelujah I hear the sound of an abundance of rain I don't hear it Elijah how come we can't hear it because you got to have a God-given vision Because your vision wants to speak to you. Habakkuk said that this vision speaks and that it will not tarry. Hold on to the vision that God gave you. It will come. It will come. But it doesn't look like it, Pastor. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. God gave me a vision a month ago, or God gave me a vision a year ago, God gave me a vision 10 years ago, but I'm standing here today, and I'm looking around, and I'm having a hard time, hard time seeing, amen, that my vision is coming to pass. I'm having a hard time seeing that my vision is taking place. Show me where it is, Pastor. Show it where it is. I'll remind you today. Hallelujah. We walk by faith and not by sight. uh, And we're not worried about what we can see right now uh, because we have a God who creates uh, who can bring uh, something out of nothing uh, at the very statement of his word. Uh, And so I'm not worried today uh, if I can't see the fullness of my vision or it doesn't seem like everything is coming to pass uh, like he said it would uh, because my vision is speaking to me. This is why you need a God-given vision for your life uh, because when you wake up one morning and say is anything ever going to be any different? You're going to hear the vision speak to you and say, don't walk by sight. Let your eyes be lifted up. Let your faith begin to speak. When you walk of your home and you look around the world and you say, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it come to pass. You may not get any help from your neighbor. You may not get any help from your coworker. You may not get any encouragement from friends or family, but your vision. And it's going to speak to you uh, and your vision. It's going to tell you, uh, hold on, uh, hold on, uh, hold on. Hallelujah. His vision was speaking to him. You see, your friends don't tell you your personal vision. God does. Your family doesn't tell you your vision. God, God does. Because others, others may let you off the hook. <laughs> right? Because others may say, you know what? It's okay to just, just accept less. Just let this be enough. Let's just say this is good enough. Oh, hallelujah. But God... God given vision will never stop motivating you to see what He has spoken come to pass. He'll never stop encouraging you. He'll never stop pushing you to see you become, to see and experience all the things that He has for you. So Ahab went up to eat and drink in verse 42 and 43 of chapter 18. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the dry and desolate earth. He put his face between his knees, cried out to, the God, to God, He prostrated himself. He humbled himself before the Lord. Sure, he had just had a mighty victory. Oh, it must have been something to say, Lord, send the fire. And the fire fell must have been something when all of a sudden all of Israel locked eyes on him and said the Lord he is God the God of Elijah the Lord he is God the conquering of the prophets of Baal and the destruction of Baal must have been an exciting time but not very long after it all here he is on his face in the dust crying out to God Lord, you said there was going to be rain. You said there was rain coming. And I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound in my spirit of rain, but I don't don't see any rain. And so he buries his face. It's almost as if Elijah says, I have to quit looking for it. In the flesh. So I'm going to bury my face. And I'm going to cry out to God. And I'm going to believe what my vision is speaking to me. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, And he cast himself down upon the earth. And he put his face between his knees. And then he says to his servant. Go up now. And looked toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Hmm. Hmm. Anybody ever been there? Lord, you gave me a vision. God, you gave me a vision. And I hear the sound of my vision speaking to me. And I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But I'm face down in the dust. And I just said to my servant, do you see anything? And he says, I see nothing. 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 Really? Nothing. I May mean, throw me a bone here. Give me something. Nothing. Servant. I don't know what to tell you, Elijah. I, I know that's not what you want to hear. I know that's not what you're looking for. I know you just said you heard the sound of abundance of rain. Not sure what that's about, buddy, but I'm seeing nothing. Well, then go again. Go again, and I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to talk with my God and I'm going to listen to my vision. And I'm going to listen because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. So you better go again. And the servant goes again and he comes back and Elijah says, what did you see, boy? And he says, I saw nothing. What do you mean nothing? I saw nothing. Well, then you better get back up there. You better get back up there because I'm looking down into this dust, uh, and I'm feeling this dust kicking in my eyes and in the corners of my mouth, Uh, but that doesn't matter to me uh, because I hear the sound uh, of an abundance of rain. Uh, So you better get back up there, and you better look again. Uh, Go again. Uh, Seven times uh, he goes. Uh, Seven times uh, the servant leaves Elijah, and six times comes back and says I see nothing. I'm looking where you tell me to look. I'm doing what you tell me to do. I'm straining as far as my eyes can see but I see nothing. I know you got a word from God for your life Elijah. I know you got a vision that you say is going to come to pass. I know that you can hear it somewhere within your spirit but I'm seeing nothing. I'm asking somebody in this house today. How long can you trust in your God-given vision when nothing is happening? How long are you going to hold on to what God showed you and what God told you and what God spoke to you when nothing is happening? How many times will you look with expectation to the horizon and see nothing until you give up, until you quit, until you say... Well, God must have forgot about me. Or maybe I didn't hear it in the first place. I've come to tell somebody in this house today, go again, go again, go again, go again. You didn't see it yesterday, go and look for it today. If you don't see it today, go and look for it tomorrow. But you keep going because you got something inside of you that says, I hear the sound of an abundance." of rain oh I wish you'd clap your hands and shout unto God a little bit amen I declare to you today that if you do not have a God given vision for your life today you need to get it before you leave here you need to let God show you something today He's not gonna show you every step. Don't even ask. You're wasting your time. Take it from experience. Don't start asking him 14,000 questions. He's not gonna answer them. He's gonna give you a vision, he's gonna give you taste and see. The Lord is good. He's gonna give you a vision. It's not going to have all the details. It's not going to have every step. It's not going to have it all planned out. You're not going to be able to go home today and map out the rest of your life and say this is everything that's going to happen. It's not the way God works. But he gives you a vision of something that's bigger than you, something that's larger, something something that will feel impossible. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands, just lift your hands and call upon the Lord for just a second. Hallelujah, Jesus! I feel somebody right now is thinking about it. <laughs> you're thinking about the impossibilities, and you're thinking about the, the hopes and dreams, and you're thinking about all the things you wish would come to pass. And I, I'm here to tell you today that you you got to get beyond wishing, and you got to get a vision. You got to get beyond what you want and what you desire and what would make you happy. But you need to get a vision because I promise you, I promise you that if you'll get a vision in your life, it'll blow your dream and wish out of the water. It'll be greater. It'll be broader. It'll be more wonderful than anything you could ever have put into place. If you'll grab a hold of a God-given vision, it will change your world. So if you don't have a God-given vision today for your life, you need to get it before you leave here. And if you do And it feels like you've been in a drought for a long time. And you're unsure. I'm telling you, you need to go again. You need to climb up to the top of Mount Carmel again and you need to look toward the sea. (laughs) Lift your eyes of faith and look again towards the heavens. And it came to pass on the seventh time, 44 and 45 of 18. That he said, Behold, Elijah, there ariseth a little cloud. <laughs> God, you're funny sometimes. I see a little cloud rising out of the sea like a man's hand. And Elijah rises up. Oh, really? Saw a cloud, did you? All right. But it's just I mean, it's a little cloud. It's like the size of a man's hand. is I mean, you want to see it, you want to come look at it. Yeah. Oh, really. So you saw something, did you? There's something there that wasn't there before, huh? Well, yeah, Elijah, but it's small. I mean, it's insignificant. It's small. He says, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot. You better get on your chariot. He says, you go tell King Ahab get on his chariot and get down off of this mountain. Because if you don't leave right now, the rain, you won't even make it to the bottom. Come on, Elijah. It's just, I mean, can you even see it? It's right there. See it? It's right there, real. It's a cloud, I think, came up out of the sea. Quit talking, boy. Go tell Elijah. Go tell Ahab. Get on that chariot and start going as fast as you can. Oh, hallelujah. And get down that mountain. Can I tell somebody today? It's just a little cloud, but there is nothing insignificant about a God vision. Nothing. Don't make the mistake, there ain't nothing insignificant that's connected to a God-given vision. When you get in your spirit, when you get a God-given vision in your spirit, you will look for every little step and you will celebrate, amen, you will celebrate over every little thing that seems small, maybe in your eyes, but you'll say, oh, look look what God is doing, look what God is doing, look what God is doing and other people might not understand it and other people may think you're weird and a little off but you just keep saying oh you better get ready you better get ready look what the Lord is doing look what the Lord is doing look what the Lord is doing oh hallelujah you better learn to celebrate the things that are part of your God given vision you celebrate things that you had to let go of for the vision oh hallelujah hear me today you're gonna celebrate some things that you had to let go of because I want the vision Oh, hallelujah. I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I used to love this, and I used to spend my time with that, and I used to be all involved in that, and that used to be my whole world. But when I got a God-given vision, I started losing all interest in those things, and I let go of those things. And not only did I let go of them, I celebrated that I let go of them. Why would you celebrate that? Because it let go of something that was keeping me back from getting the vision that God had for my life. I disconnected from some things that were holding me back and now I'm moving forward and so I'm celebrating and you celebrate every small little thing that comes into your life that's connected to your God-given vision oh hallelujah you celebrate every God. I told this church this before. I tell young ministers this all the time. And when I'm working with new pastors, I tell them this too. If you're going to le- lead people to Jesus, if you're going to work with people, you're going to have to let some of the worst, most horrible uh, uh, things, uh, some of the worst possible things that they do to you or do to themselves, you're going to have to let that just kind of roll off your back. Uh, but if you see a hand go from here to here in a church service for the first time, you better see celebrate that. You better celebrate that. If you see a little tear just begin to run down their face for the very first time, you better celebrate that. You better be thankful. That's your vision. There's your vision. Your vision is coming to pass. Your vision is coming forth. I know maybe they don't have have it all together yet, but look at them. They're in the house of the Lord, and they're singing the songs of Zion, and they're lifting up their hands, and they're crying out to Jesus, vision is coming to pass. Oh, hallelujah, there's nothing insignificant about a God-given vision. And every time, every time he moves upon you in any way whatsoever with about that vision, you have to say yes, 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 yes yes but i don't understand what he's saying pastor just say yes well i usually don't just say yes to stuff i usually like to do this and do that you go ahead and do all that stuff with humanity and you think it all through and work it all out and all that with humanity but when god says something and shows you something you just say yes for the last several months very routinely when i am praying God begins to direct my prayers at some point in them to pray about the property that is connected to our church on this side. It's been several months now, and God just keeps bringing it back to my mind in prayer. To be very clear, when we first moved into this building, I had a casual conversation with the man who farms it, owns it, just, you know, hey, you know, what's the deal with this land? You know, what and that was all it was. But for the last several months, every time I could go to pray, at some point while I'm praying, God will have me praying about that land. It just keeps bringing it back to my mind. Last week, week and a half ago, I finally felt some direction from the Lord, and so I called up Pastor Brom, and I said, I got to tell you, I said, look, I to tell you, I keep praying about this. It keeps coming to my mind, and somewhat shocked on the phone, he said, you're not going to believe this, he said, but, he said, the same thing's happening to me. He said, just the other day, he said, I was praying. He said, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was praying about something completely different. And God brought that property to my mind. And he said, I just spent a significant amount of time just praying over that property and praying about that property and praying God's will. You know, we were just a small church of less than 30 people not too many years ago. And we had our little building and... We managed three services a week, and we enjoyed ourselves, and we, we loved our God, and we did everything we could with what we had. God gave us a vision, and right now, today, we are worshiping in that vision that God gave us, but why, why when we have yet to even finish the sanctuary designed for this property, Why when we're still having church in the fellowship hall? Why when we've just recently finished some of the projects that were here when we moved in? Why would we be talking about property next to us that we don't even own and don't even have a purpose for right now? All I can tell you is because our vision is bigger than what we've already achieved. And because God gave us a vision, and we might not know why, and we might not know all the details, but that's God's thing. He gave us a vision. He gave us a vision and apparently, apparently for some reason that vision has more than what is just about this piece of property. So last week I directed our church board to begin to pray with us and to begin to investigate the property and just see what God would have for us to do and we are very, very much in the preliminary stages and so you say, Pastor, what's going to happen? I don't know. Pastor, how much is it going to cost? I have no idea. Pastor, what is the reason? I don't fully understand that. (laughs) I just know that when God gives you a vision, it's on Him to bring it to pass. But it's on you to pursue it. I just know when God gives you a vision... It's not up to me to make it happen and it's not up to the board to make it happen and it's not on us to make it happen it's up to God to make it happen and his reasoning may be beyond my understanding and yours and it may not even turn out to be what we're even thinking right now at this moment but I'm telling you when God gives you a vision you pursue it you go after it you say yes God I'll do everything in my power and I'm going to hold on to what you're saying, and I'm going to trust in what you're saying, and I'm going to believe you, God. I wish you'd clap your hands under the Lord, somebody. (laughs) Hallelujah. God gives you a vision. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You just got a vision from God. A vision from God. An F5 tornado brings devastation to Rochester, decimates W.W. Mayo's apple orchard, and everybody's trying to gather themselves up from the ruins of it. When God gives a woman a vision and she says, I'm gonna have to tell. Oh, Dr. Mayo, what God has said to me, I see a huge hospital rising up out of the cornfields of Rochester. And I see people coming from all over the world, from every nation, to be cared for. And I see your name synonymous with great hospital care when I'm, when I'm 60 years old there's no way that that could happen and how could we even build such a building how, where are we going to get the money how is this going to work And even if we did do something how would everybody even find out that we did it it wasn't recorded in history but something tells me that Sister Mary said I don't know she does declare this you will have sons and they will be great and the world will find the pathway to your door oh hallelujah I don't know how exactly God is going to fill this building but he's going to because our vision is bigger filling the fellowship hall. And I don't know exactly how the new sanctuary is all going to come to pass, but if the Lord tarries, it will because it's part of the vision. And I don't know. I don't know what what that's about. I don't know what that cornfield is all about but I know there's a vision and it's a vision that God gave and you don't put limits on God's vision and I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus and so are you and we have been made the sons and the daughters of God and because we are made the sons and the daughters of God we can do great exploits in the name of Jesus Christ and through those Exploits. I believe that's all of southern Minnesota and people from all around the world will find the pathway to the doors of Connect Point United Pentecostal Church, and they'll come running to Jesus, and they'll come hungry for a vision. Stand with me if you would today, please. Stand with me if you would. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.